Statistics. Statistics. Hi folks and welcome to the show. This is Richard Zink and you are listening to the podcast of the biopharmaceutical section of the American Statistical Association. We've reached episode 33 and our topic today is the 2016 ASA biopharmaceutical section regulatory industry statistics workshop. A conference name as big as the amount of knowledge that will be shared during the event. Perhaps I've gotten lazy, but I've started referring to this meeting as the wrist workshop. Not as in, oh, my wrist hurts from lugging around all of these statistics books, but wrist as in regulatory industry statistics. In this episode, I talk with the 2016 co-chairs, Frida Kuhner and Ed Lowe, to find out what to expect at this year's workshop. The workshop takes place September 28th through the 30th at the Marriott Wardman Park in Washington, D.C. Haven't registered yet for the workshop? Advanced registration ends September 7th, but you can register on-site or add one of the many wonderful short courses beginning September 28th. On-site registration is subject to availability, but you can assess if space is available by contacting the ASA by email at asainfo at amstat.org or by phone at 888-231-3473. For more information on the 2016 workshop, check out the online program at the workshop website. And now, let's start the show. Hi folks, our topic today is the 2016 Biopharmaceutical Section Regulatory Industry Statistics Workshop. I am talking with Frida Kuhner, Mathematical Statistician at the Center for Drug Evaluation and Research at the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, and Ed Lowe. Vice President and Head of Biostatistics at PTC Therapeutics. They are the co-chairs for the 2016 Biofarm Workshop. Good afternoon and thanks for being here. Before we get started, let's get to know a little bit about each of our uh, panelists. How did you become interested in statistics? Well, I started um, with math as my major and bachelor degree, and in one of the courses, it's a required course, is statistics, and uh, those questions they're dealing with, uh, to me, is very um, daily, and uh, it's a usual thinking, seeing how long you have to wait in the line for the next available hairdressers, things like that. I thought it was very interesting. That's how I get interested in statistics and uh, eventually pursue statistics as my major for PhD and math, um, one of my master degrees. Yeah, this is Ed. I got my uh, bachelor and uh, master degree in management science. So I learned um, quality control and multivariate statistics. And uh, then I got a scholarship uh, and in U.S., uh, university in U.S. So let's bring me into statistics. I guess as a follow-up uh, to the statistics question, how did you end up uh, in research uh, in uh, drug development? Where did you, the bio, uh, the biology or biopharmaceutical applications first come into play? So uh, when I study uh, for my PhD at the North Carolina State, we got a lot of opportunities. So I did a, a one-year internship. Uh, uh, at the SAS, and also I did a similar internship for one year at Quintel. So it's a full time during summer, and it's part time, like a research assistant during the school year. So I was exposed to different uh, areas, and uh, I found it's really interesting to uh, get into the pharmaceutical industry, and also the uh, the department that has a lot of alumni in that area that 
uh, provide additional inference, uh, and then I decided to pursue my career in pharmaceutical industry. My story is relatively short. When I was uh, uh, came to the United States for my second master degree, the the project I was working on was for genetics. So then I in, get enrolled into the PhD program. It's a biostat division of biostat. So it's a very natural transition for me. Now, if you can take a few moments, uh, I'd appreciate it if you could describe what your current roles are. Uh, Frida, let's uh, start with you. Uh, you're currently at the Food and Drug Administration. Well, it's a very simple job. It's really uh, when the sponsor or industry submit their proposals, so we look at their protocols, uh, statistical analysis plans at the development stage, and uh, once they finish the program, we review their um, the whole program will review the data and see if the efficacy and safety are demonstrated for the compound and drug. That, that's our daily work in CEDAR. What uh, therapeutic areas do you work in? At this point, I actually am based looking at all the rare diseases and the pediatric studies, but the last therapeutic area will be pulmonary and allergy. I worked on, I worked on uh, various uh, therapeutic areas. Ned, how about you? What do you do at uh, PTC Therapeutics? Yeah, um, PTC Therapeutics is a small pharmaceutical company. Um, we work on rare disease or ultra rare disease. And right now we got a program in um, two di rare disease area. Uh, one is the DMD, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. The other one is uh, cystic fibrosis. So I like to work for a smaller company and you got a really uh, different exposure uh, at a different area from you know, from clinical, even from clinical development to, uh, you know, to marketing, you provide a, um, support to the company at a different angle from end to end. So both of you mentioned rare diseases. Um, if you had to each pick a, one of the big challenges in studying rare diseases, uh, what would you say uh, is probably the biggest hurdle to overcome? For the rare disease, um, the biggest challenge is really the lack of knowledge in the disease area, you know, uh, compared with other well-established disease area like diabetes or cardiovascular. Uh, we don't have, uh, we need to do a lot of work on the natural history to better understand the disease progression. And uh, when you enter into the clinical trial phase, uh, the next challenge is really uh, how to recruit patient because uh, you have very small patient population. have to second that the small um, sample size is one of the biggest challenge. And on the other hand, we lack of a placebo group, which is also natural history group. We don't really understand the disease progression. and we, I, I honestly don't know whether or not the drug is working or naturally the disease is just evolving. Well, thanks very much for addressing uh, the question about uh, rare diseases. Now, you're both co-chairs for the 2016 Biopharmaceutical Workshop, and uh, the 2016 workshop and even the biopharmaceutical section itself has experienced a bit of a rebranding recently. Can you discuss these changes and describe whether participants can expect a uh, different experience at this year's workshop, or will it be uh, similar to the workshop shops of years past? So um, people might notice the name change, but it's really the same conference. And we also have this, the conference at the same location. So I would expect 
all the participants will get the same experience and to be, to make it even more better and this year we add a post session and we are going to talk more about the post session so this is the same conference the same by the same group of people by sponsored by the same uh, ASA biofarm section yeah so uh, i guess as far as the name change uh, used to be the FDA industry workshop and now the regulatory industry workshop and i guess that opens Opens it up for all the other uh, food and drug-related regulatory agencies in the U.S. to participate. That's a joke, Frida. I'm just okay. <laughs> so, uh, no, that's just a joke. It's um, So, yeah, it's just a, a slight name change. Uh, uh, but, yeah, the meeting itself is uh, still the same. So if I recall, we're also, uh, even though we have the, uh, the changes in the name and the, and the logo for the biopharmaceutical section, we're celebrating an important milestone for the workshop this year. Uh, could uh, either one of you uh, summarize what that important milestone that's taking place? This is the 20th year for the workshop. It started in 1996 as the first workshop. It was not really called a workshop. It's a symposium within the FDA. The only attendees, uh, participants uh, from the FDA, if I recall it correctly, uh, all the organizers are from FDA side. So we went a long way. We get uh, the support from biopharmaceutical section for for starter, and we also have a, a huge part from industry to contribute to this workshop, make it even better. And uh, when it started, I think it's less, a, less than 100 participants, and now we have over 800 participants. It's growing bigger. So last year's workshop had a theme uh, for precision medicine, and this sort of occurred naturally based on the submissions uh, from the various people who wanted to speak at the at the workshop. Uh, what's the area for emphasis for this year, and, and, and did this occur naturally uh, based on the submissions of uh, proposals? And this year, we have a uh, theme called a statistical innovation, better decisions through better methods. So what we want to emphasize is really the footprint of statistics on decision-making in drug development. Do you have any uh, plenary speakers lined up at this point? Yes, we have three people actually uh, sort of committed to give plenary session presentations. Uh, we have uh, Dr. Mike Lauer from NIH, um, Dr. Rob Calif, the current FDA commissioner, and uh, Dr. Michael Krams from Johnson & Johnson. And we're still organizing the panel. And they will all talk about something in the line with the statistical innovation, best, better decisions through better methods. So the panel discussion will be centered around the theme of uh, decision-making using statistical methods? The panel discussion probably will be um, more centered around the third speaker, which is Dr. Michael Krams. But all the, all the presentations, as far as we know, will be centered around the theme. The workshop has a number of short courses that take place uh, on the day prior to the conference opening. And last year, the number of courses went from six to eight. Uh, can you give us a summary of the pre-workshop short courses that will be taking place this year? We, we have a huge, I have the list here. We, we have a, a big um, turnout as to the proposals, we actually had uh, 24 short courses proposals. So we decided to keep uh, eight 
short courses this year. And uh, you can see the short course titles and instructors in the latest uh, AMSTAD news. The, the topics including Bayesian, uh, meta-analysis, and a lot of software trainings. So it, it will be a good day for short courses. And the cost of the short courses is still... Uh at $105 for the half-day short course? That's correct. Uh, we kept uh, all the costs um, the same as last year, the registration fee, short courses. And uh, um, we, the only thing was raised is the room rate. It's because this year is election year. The hotel can only offer the room rate. It was uh, $10 over last year, I think. So what's new at this uh, year's workshop? Uh, Ed briefly mentioned uh, a poster session that was going to take place. Uh, do you have any more information about that and uh, well, any other? What, what's new? We already discussed it. Uh, we had a new name and a new logo, but we kept the same location. And we also decided to add a poster session. It was well received because we actually got 36 um, proposals while we can only accommodate 20. So um, the the poster subcommittee uh, selected uh, 20 out of 36 proposals, and you will see those posters. That on the third day, which is a Friday during the morning break between the two parallel session time slots. Was the addition of the poster session to give greater opportunity to participants or people attending the meeting to participate in the workshop itself? That's correct. We want to give um, participants more opportunity to present their ideas and their projects, what they are working on. And originally, we also want to have a speed session for some posters to be able to present their ideas further, but with, with the hotel and uh, other accommodation issues, we couldn't make that happen. But please join the posters uh, session um, on Thursday, again, Thursday, Friday morning, and those uh, presenters will stand by the posters to present their ideas. So please join them. And the poster is really a big plus to the workshop. In the past workshop, uh, we had a parallel session and a roundtable discussions, but we found that the poster session might work better for some of the presentations, some of the talks. So this provides a really good uh, forum for some of the topic that would have been a part of the parallel, uh, parallel session or uh, roundtable discussion, so that adds more flexibility to the workshop. I hope the participants will enjoy the poster session. So the August 2016 issue of Statistics and Biopharmaceutical Research will highlight topics presented at last year's workshop um, that had a focus on precision medicine. Are there plans for a special issue of SBR for this year's meeting? Yes, uh, we have a special issue um, for 2016 workshop, and the tentative deadline is end of October. That's after the workshop. So this provides a, a great opportunity for us to uh, to summarize what happened at the workshop and uh, and also to present some some of the presentation um, as a paper in the special issue. Are there any in, uh, special invited sessions at the workshop this year? 
Yes, we invited two sessions uh, as the special um, SBR invited session. One is uh, titled Statistics Methodology for Safety Monitoring and Confirmatory Safety in Clinical Development, organized by Qi Jiang from Amgen, Judy Lee from FDA, Estelle Russell-Cohen from FDA, and Bill Wen from Merck. And the other one is titled Bayesian Approaches in Quantitative-Based Decision-Making for Drug and Devices Development organized by Casey Dong from FDA, Christiana Mayer from Johnson & Johnson, Miming from FDA, and Timothy Motag from GSK. So uh, those two invited uh, sessions, uh, the session that we want to highlight for the workshop, but uh, the, uh, the special issue is open to uh, all the participants in the workshop. So each year the workshop gets bigger and better. For example, you mentioned earlier that a poster session was added to provide additional opportunities for participation among the attendees. How do you envision the workshop changing in the coming years? For example, do you envision that the workshop will outgrow its current home at Wardman Park and extend beyond the cap of 800 attendees? I think the workshop has outgrown the 800 attendees in the current uh, location, but we haven't really um, got into too much of a trouble with the Wardman Park uh, Hotel. But there are a few sessions, if I recall correctly, because it's too crowded. Some of the audience have to get out because of fire code. They just, the room just cannot accommodate them big of a crowd. So um, there might be some change in the location or we have to add more rooms for this workshop, but you, you will outgrow the 800 attendees. It has outgrown the 800 attendees limit, I believe. Uh, the workshop, of course, will get better, and I think we are always on top of the what's the current, what, what's the hot topics, and what's coming, and we are very good at even predict uh, what will be the next hot topics, and that's part of the reason why people love this workshop so much. And it is a very close group. It's not so big that people don't see other people in the hotels. Uh, it's a, a very closely connected group for this workshop. That's why people like the, the environment as well. They want to attend a, a workshop and talk with the people they work with. I think that's... Um, uh, that's not going to change. Those good culture of workshop will not change, but it will get bigger and better for sure. So the workshop uh, provides a great opportunity and a forum for uh, the, uh, the statistician to uh, collaborate uh, between regulatory industry and academia. So it's getting more and more popular each year. And in the past several years, we are... Uh, uh, reaching the 800 uh, limit, but I think it's still manageable, and uh, I, I do uh, expect a bigger audience uh, in the coming year. So um, I think the section will closely monitor that that trend, and if we, if we have to find a new home, we are going to find a new home for the workshop. But so far, I think the location is really very popular. It has a lot of potential to uh, uh, allow a bigger audience. Well, Ed and Frida, thanks very much for sharing your thoughts on the 2016 workshop. Uh, wish you luck with the final preparations and uh, hope you have a successful meeting. Thank you, Richard.